This is exactly right. Hi, I'm Erin Welsh. And I'm Erin Almond Updike, and we're the hosts of This Podcast Will Kill You on Exactly Right. We're back with our seventh season, which is bigger and better than ever. Because guess what? We're now a weekly show. This season, we're tackling everything from long COVID to norovirus, from the supplement industry to IVF, and so, so much more. New episodes drop every single Tuesday. Follow This Podcast Will Kill You wherever you get your podcasts. to temple just now okay did you sit down at the wrong time in temple i mean i was just always begging to sit down yeah you know amen amen down um fucking louisville slugger i mean yes definitely that and also they fucking gave us this says my favorite murder on it It says triflers need not apply on the other side. <laughs> is this, this is a thing, right? This that's, is a thing. that's definitely a thing. Am I playing baseball? Yep. Stretch it out and like, that's okay. when your um, post-apocalyptic punk gang goes to kill somebody. Just go ahead and put it across your mouth. <laughs> okay, got it. There's never... all kinds of things. You can also practice uh, baton. Like if you can get good at baton with a baseball bat, then you'd be really good at regular baton. <laughs> And it has our name. Oh, it's amazing. Thank you, Louisville. Thank you so much. So, Casey, Casey Davidson at Louisville Slugger. Thank you, Casey. I don't know if we're supposed to say your name because are you going to get fired for these? You might not have been allowed to make these. <laughs> she, she went into the pressing area late at night yeah. and was just like T R I F L E R E S. Do you know I still look at things like this to make sure my last name is spelled right? Even though it's like, I don't think anyone's going to get it wrong in this room. Sure. I still am like, I have bad memories. Well, and you have the soul of a copy editor, so you care about (laughs) spelling and stuff like that. Yeah. Hi, you guys. What's up? Hi, best friends. <laughs> You're not going to believe what we did last night. It is crazy. Don't tell anyone. We fucking performed at the Grand Old Opry. I walked out and immediately started crying. Yep. Now, that sounds cute and touching and stuff like that, but it's very bad for comedy performance, I have to tell you. It was so crazy. Georgia's like, we were like kind of standing there and I'm like, uh-oh, uh-oh, this is not going to be good. And then you look and you're like, oh, you're crying. Oh, sorry. You're actually crying. No, no, no. Oh. But I mean, I think, yeah, you have the faith in me to kind of keep it together a little bit better than that. No, I was hoping one of us would because I feel like they're expecting it, right? Yeah. I think 
I think you're kind of required yes. to. I think you should. I, uh, I said the word cunt on stage at the Grand Old Opera. Thank you. I'm proud. I'm very proud. Thing is, though, Carrie Underwood does that all the time. <laughs> like, we're kind of stealing her bit That's a little bit. That's true. <laughs> Can you uh, imagine? Yeah. Uh, I could, too. Yeah, I could, too. I could. Then we took a little road trip, stopped at America's favorite restaurant, the Cracker Barrel. Oh, yeah. Nearly an hour after breakfast, and I was like, well, I might not be that hungry. Chicken fried chicken. What's yeah. up? Yeah. You always go in there like, you guys eat, I'll just shop. And then the next <laughs> thing you know, you're like, I'll have the loaded hash brown casserole. <laughs> and then a side of uh, loaded hash browns. <laughs> How does that sound to everybody? Here's the weird thing, though. I was like, oh, I need a pair of slippers. Because I, <laughs> I, uh, I like to take any high shoe that I wear off immediately after I wear it and then slide into a nice pair of slippers and like, ah, it's the good life. And then we do the meet and greet and slippers. And for some reason, I did not bring my slippers this time. So I'm like, Cracker Barrel, this is a lock. I'm totally getting Cracker Barrel slippers. (laughs) Yes, you are. Hopefully they're filled with loaded hash brown casserole. (laughs) Not a fucking pair of slippers in the place. I'm not kidding. I What's that about? They're in the gardening supply phase of the year at this point. Slippers are forever. They're eternal. I, oh, you I know can't, that. When do you not want them? I want them always, but I feel like Big Slipper Company hasn't <laughs> figured that out yet. They're not going to release them like in the summer? Mm-mm, big Cracker Barrel's like, people go barefoot. <laughs> right? Oh, that could almost be a bad joke. <laughs> it's not how she meant it. I guess it's how I meant it. I just don't get it yet. Oh. <laughs> it's like, I think okay. it's a hillbilly adjacent. Oh, please. Oh, I, was like, I, I got that. And then I was like, no one cares about, oh, they do? Okay. I don't know. We're from California. Let's see. Let's hey. say some other offensive <laughs> shit. <laughs> oh, speaking of, this is my favorite oh, word hi, of the podcast. Yeah, hi. <laughs> Thank you. That's Karen Gilgara. This is Georgia Hardstar. Thank you. Thank you, and we'll be your moderators tonight. <laughs> so, we'll host you through this from the outside of your head. Yeah. It's going to be so weird this time. We're going to read the Cracker Barrel menu. <laughs> we're not going to stop talking about Cracker Barrel. Then we're going to swing bats at each other. <laughs> Good. Oh, we stayed last, we stayed last night at an Airbnb. Mm. Can we, I want to tell you guys about the, um, that they went shopping at Bed Bath & Beyond and bought all the art there, including like, it's wine time for mommy or whatever they have. But we have to also tell them about the surprise chicken strips. Oh yeah, that was awesome. So we got back to the Airbnb after obviously the show. And when we leave the show, we always have pe- you guys bring us presents and people make us beautiful things like bats with our names on them and uh, all kinds of things and cakes and pies and fucking insane shit so we're always like see you later we're going back to our (laughs) so 
So last night we get back and it was like, unlike, we made a joke that we were going to split up in the hallway of the Airbnb and just go into our rooms and not talk anymore. Because that's how it is when we go to a hotel. We're like, we get back and we're like, see you at 6 a.m. or whatever's (laughs) happening. So we're like, well, now we all go back into the living room together. I go back out. I wash my face. Georgia and Vince are sitting in the living room already watching Forensic Files. It already was on. You can't, even though we're not in a hotel, you can't change tradition. Yeah, you have to. You need to wind down with a little bit of luminol. So, <laughs> nice glass of luminol. It's luminol. Mommy thinks it's luminol time. <laughs> Let mommy have her luminol, please. We gotta detect blood in this room. We gotta make mugs that say this might be luminol. <laughs> right? <laughs> so, as I'm unpacking, trying to find. Uh, like my basically pajamas that are also my airplane pants which are also my (laughs) car pants and before show pants so I'm unpacking those out of the bag and I find uh, wait here's what I hear from the other room chicken strips (laughs) (laughs) I'm like about to go to wash my own face like a grown up and chicken strips and they were in like one of those old-fashioned paper carton things like it didn't have a lid it was wrapped in paper but they were it was four chicken strips sitting in a little red and white checked carton in my bag and we all we, you went out we all kind of huddled around me Vince in the hallway we were like examining them chicken strips and then Vince was like oh shit those were actually for one of the guys at the, sh- at the theater and anyways we stole them but as, the moment we heard that they weren't they were safe chicken strips yeah Karen and I glanced <laughs> up at each other in the quickest glance and then both at the same time <laughs> a bite. Loosely wrapped chicken yep. strips that were also in the bag with these boots yep. and I some sweats. I didn't know that part. Other stuff. I didn't know that part. But they were truly wrapped three times. Somebody took a lot of care. Whoever was given these chicken strips uh, as a gift was like, fucking thank you. I'm finally. so excited to take home, take these home and watch Forensic Files and eat these. I had to sit through two women talking and uh, what's a podcast? God, and now it, I get hours. Go. It was, seemed like hours. <laughs> now I can finally go home and have some chicken strips. My favorite chicken strips. And for some reason he's like got called away to business and like, well, I guess I'll put these in her bag. <laughs> so sorry, uh, Doug at Grand Old Opry. Was it Doug? I don't know. No. Oh, that's a good name. Um, <laughs> poor Doug. Poor Doug. Poor Steven. He's not here today. No. He's, <laughs> you hate him? or you? That, yeah, that did him. not seem to be a negative reaction at all. You're like, finally free! <laughs> He's not allowed anywhere near places that make bats now. That's, That's his, right. Because of the problem? The, prob- the mustache and bat problem. <laughs> Steven, after the movie Suicide Squad came out, Steven started dressing up like that girl. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. He's listening to this first. I'm sorry, Steven. <laughs> I'm like the meanest Steven. older sister you. <laughs> he has an older sister. I'm sure she's way nicer to him than I am. <laughs> Way nice. Listen, it's 362 days till his birthday, so we can say whatever we want <laughs> to right. until his birthday. <laughs> until oh, next birthday. I have, can I show them my... Your dress? Your beautiful dress? Look at her go, look at her fly. And, as a bonus, this was your great idea, <laughs> I have... <laughs> She's... 
No, it's not chicken strips. <laughs> now it's not funny, because that would have been amazing. Yes, it is, but... <laughs> Here's the thing, though. I, I hope you. I hope everyone's going to be able to hear this at home when this is posted, because the joy and excitement in which you guys were yeah. yelling chicken strips just now. Chicken like, strips. Could it be chicken strips? She brought us chicken strips. No, nope. look under your chair, though. <laughs> uh, chicken strips for everyone. Tonight we're sponsored by Chicken Strip <laughs> United. No, show them what you really have, because it's it's awesome. Oh no. Cookie, that's Swiss cheese. <laughs> it's a cookie, <laughs> and it's from um, from baked bakery. They sent us baked a box bakery. of beautiful. Good job, you guys. Those are beautiful. And also, they wrote on the piece of Swiss cheese. Eh, eh. <laughs> How amazing is that? <laughs> I took a bite to prove that it wasn't Swiss cheese, but I could have taken a bite of Swiss cheese anyway. So there, there yeah, I have that true. in my mouth. But Swiss broke. cheese wouldn't have broken off in seven pieces like that. <laughs> so you, cleanly and you gotta hope. beautifully. Flaky. Really nice bake on that Swiss cheese. You guys, good it's job. Good. Let mm. me clean this. Yeah. Oh, I almost just ate it. We'll sweep it up later. Sorry. Okay. We'll sweep, we'll sweep it up. Yeah, we got it. The theater manager sits up there, right? Got we'll it. sweep it up later. Usually. Doug? Is Doug here? Yeah, Doug's here. With vengeance in his eyes. Um, I came for my chicken strips. <laughs> <laughs> Georgia, grab your bat. He wants the strips. <laughs> Fuck you, Doug. They're ours now. What's happening? I'm not sure. Sorry. Sorry. This is, this is normally on your head, I yeah, think. I usually keep it private. I wait, <laughs> I wait till the show's over to do my play. <laughs> it's uh, your one woman anger show. Was anyone here last night for the musical version of Cruel Intentions? Yeah, um, have you I been wouldn't. here since then? <laughs> that's crazy. No camping out. No. That's not allowed. You have to, um, they left us a... They so, left us a playbill backstage because there's a couple cast members who were murderinos. I know. I know. So now it's our favorite musical. Yep, go support Cruel Intentions, the musical, touring all over the nation. What if someone came here not because they thought it was Fan of the Opera Part 2, <laughs> but Cruel Intentions, yep. the 90s musical? And they're like... Okay. You're not whoever those people are that are in that movie. No, I, that's when I was on drugs. I don't know anything about that movie. Sorry. Oh, you're lucky you missed that one. What uh, was that? What was that one? There was. It was. What people mean to each other. It was like you know what it, it was like. It was like when you're when you're like 11 or 12 and it's almost too late to play with Barbies. Yes. You know, but you don't tell anyone you still do, and you <laughs> think you know what romance is. Yeah. And then Ken and Barbie act them out. It's like that. Oh. And you smash them together, and you're like, they're boning. And they're not, but they're just plastic. First you make them do horizontal, then the vert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This must be it. Yeah. Something like this. Then you steal your brother's like G.I. Joe. What'd you... Every direction. <laughs> Good. I think that we've done it. <laughs> Do you think we've covered it all? I think we've done it. Uh, <laughs> we should, lived it. Should we sit down? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> all right. Th now here's a problem we didn't think through. You have to keep your bat on your shoulder the whole time. <laughs> 
It's okay. only polite. I don't know it. Okay, here we go. I'm gonna. Is it? Can you lay your bat down? Is that I don't know. sacrilegious? I don't know. All right. I truly don't know what to do. Okay, here we go. There we go. Yeah, that's Give me nice. Yours. All Put right. It nicely no, featured. No, no. Yes. Oh. Thank you. Georgia lives Instagram. <laughs> Whether she's taking pictures or not, please set it. a nice picture. Let me make it look cute real quick. You know? Okay. Hi. Um, do you want to tell them about this podcast? Oh, okay. They know. They know. But every once in a while, <laughs> you insist upon bringing people who don't know. You get a plus one, and then you're like, I know. I'll invite Dan. Dan. Dan's the one that knows everything. <laughs> Dan's the expert. And then when Dan hears that it's a true crime comedy podcast, Dan thinks that's wrong because true crime usually means murder. There's nothing funny about murder. That's the worst thing that can happen to anybody. Who the fuck do these cunts think they are? <laughs> sorry, Dan. Sorry. Jeez, Dan. Dan. <laughs> Dan, we have bats. Dan. <laughs> You're a little judgy, Dan. <laughs> no, but so we just like to take this time to tell anybody who isn't familiar with the podcast and doesn't hear it and doesn't know that basically George and I have been obsessed with true crime since we were very young, but also just the way we were raised and our personalities, we process anxiety, horror, the worst things in life through humor, as do many of you. And so that's why not only do we not think there's anything wrong with doing a true crime comedy podcast, but if you don't like it, you can get the fuck out. Yeah. Hey. hey, Dan. Don't leave angry. Just leave. Sorry. Well, it's, I'll it's, know. You know what? This is sexist. <laughs> oh, you spit on your head. Yes. Yes. I think that's the highest form of compliment in com comedy, right? I don't know. I'm not a comedian. Is me spilling my water. Yes. Truly. Um, actually, last that backstage, I was like, Karen, I'm trying to like work a tweet out in my head, and Karen's the queen of it, so I was like, can you help me? Oh, wow. <laughs> and so I said it to her, and then I, there was a beat, and I was like, oh, shit, she's not going to laugh. <laughs> and then you went, <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, thank God, I was so scared. It was a thinker. Okay. Well, that's not what you want to tweet about. Well, what, my advice to anyone who, if you have a tweet and you're not sure, you just let that thing marinate for 48 hours. Just, just hit, hit cancel or mm -hmm. like delete, but then it says, do you want to save it? Save that shit. <laughs> save it. Read it with fresh eyes the next day. Not, not ambient eyes later that night. <laughs> that's what I do. Oh, that's funny. You're and like, I... is this a tweet or am I ordering a VCR off Amazon? It doesn't matter. <laughs> do it. Just hit send. Oh, me and the president. Okay. <laughs> so... Let's do spit takes all night. Spit takes. Spit takes all night. Yes. Into my face, because I'm kind of hot. Yeah, I know. It's a little I warm. Could, I could use a nice spritz. Oh, it's Good Friday, and, and also Shabbat, and also Passover. I today. know. Hey. Happy, good, congratulations, everyone. Hey. Hey, believers of all sorts. Way to go. <laughs> we did it. Um, You're doing it. Do you go first it. tonight? I believe it's you. No, it's you. Wait. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> it's yeah. totally me. Yeah. 
And I was right before you screamed Georgia four fucking times. Yeah. I, you're like, God. All right. Oh, you know what? I forgot to have coffee. That's it. Oh, That's should we get you some? Let's go to it. Starbucks. <laughs> That's gotta be it. Wait, do you want to tell them about your invention? Oh, that Starbucks, if it's in your hotel, it should be room service? That yes. one? Yes. It's not really an invention as much as like a really good idea <laughs> for really lazy people, <laughs> such as myself. Well, I just had to sit there and write my, write my story, and then I was like, man, I'd love to call down and get four things I love at Starbucks yeah. right now. Starbucks. Fucking, you owe us money. The rest of the show's <laughs> actually going to be funny. We just wanted to talk <laughs> through some ideas first. That was almost private. Okay. If you're like me, you're always looking for a story to dive into. Whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve, the key to getting hooked is the details. I need rich visuals and intricate storylines, and June's Journey has that and more. June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young woman, on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murder. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. Explore beautifully designed scenes from the 1920s, like lavish estates and gardens, and don't forget to keep an eye out for hidden clues. There are twists, turns, and catchy tunes, all leading you deeper into the thrilling storyline. And if you play well enough, you could make it to the detective club. There, you'll chat with other players and compete with or against them. June needs your help, but watch out, you never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Goodbye. There's something about the sound of an old-timey cash register that really takes me back. I know. It sounds like someone is about to hand me an ice cream cone, but it also sounds like we just sold some merch. That's right. And if you're a Shopify user like us, you know that this sound means you just made a sale. Shopify has helped millions of businesses sell their products online, but did you know they also offer the same support for brick and mortar stores? From accepting payments to managing inventory, they have everything you need to sell in person. So give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS tracks sales across all your locations. That way you'll always know what you have in stock and where. They also provide reliable tech that fits your unique retail needs, like turning a tablet into a credit card reader. And if you're looking to reach new customers, check out Shopify's marketing tools. They're easy to use and they integrate with all social media platforms. With Shopify, we have a powerful partner for managing our sales. And if you're a business owner, you can too. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period today at shopify.com murder. And here's the important note, that promo code is all lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash murder and take your retail business to the next level. That's shopify.com slash murder. Again, don't forget the code is all lowercase. Goodbye. Okay, let's see. Uh, I'm doing the murder of Marlene Oaks, y'all. Thank you for your silence. It's <laughs> exactly what I was hoping for. Yeah. I think what's what we always want. Always. Just a really deep, respectful silence. Mm-hmm. A couple little murmurs of, oh shit, she's um, doing that one. What? Why? She shouldn't do that. Oh, I hate yeah. this one. <laughs> I got info from Forensic Files, Cold Case Files, Wikipedia, and, um, and South Coast Today. 
All our favorites. So, is that the newsletter from the South Coast Mall? <laughs> South Coast Plaza? No. Oh, okay. From the actual South Coast. Oh, okay. Where the South Coast Plaza in Orange County got its name. <laughs> no, it's not. Um, okay. Let me tell you about Verona, Kentucky. Okay. It's a small town. See? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> she's the only one. Proof. <laughs> Verona gets one clap uh, per... Uh, 10,000 citizens. That's right. So that's perfect. Well, no? What? No. Well, I'm going to tell you. Okay. Guess what? Uh, it's about 80 miles away from here. Maybe uh, it's, I just go to Google Maps. And then 27 miles from Cincinnati. And they're from Verona. And okay, the population when I, when the Forensic Files came out, which was like 2004, mm -hmm. was 500 people. Oh. Which in today's people is... Uh, fuck. Hold on. 94, it's uh, 2,500 people. No. Okay. Well, maybe. Actually, I think I'm going to say yes, because the last census thing was from 2010, and it was 1,455. So, if you do math, it just turns into whatever you just said. <laughs> Everything is roughly a thousand off of everything else. That's right. And that's gr this really comforting to people like us. In life. Um, it's, you know, tiny town, all this shit. Um, and in 1980, here we go. Um, okay, someone gave us kombucha backstage. <laughs> <laughs> Elixir kombucha. Thank you, Danielle. It's fucking great. And I'm going to burp a lot on stage. Um, in 1980, Bill Major and Marlene Oaks Major have been married for nine years, and they have two children, age eight and four. I'm going to look over here while I burp. <laughs> That's yours. <laughs> but I didn't go second last night. I think Jay fucked up. Oh. That's why I think... <laughs> Jay! That's why you think what? I think Jay put in it, Georgia goes first tonight. Because that's why I thought I went first. Let's get him on stage. No, he's not here. <laughs> Let's call him. But I did go first last you night. You totally did. No, oh. you went second. <laughs> go. Are, are you sure? <laughs> yeah. I was right. Yes. Wow, guys. This takes... Oh, also, we had a red eye and got yesterday got into Nashville at 7 a.m. Doesn't matter. I'm excusing myself. It doesn't matter. <laughs> okay. I'm doing the Louisville Torture House. <laughs> Featuring this guy. <laughs> well, let's move it along. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. No. Last night was kind of a blur. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, I'll tell you a little bit about, this is Dick Heaton. Um, yeah, his name is Dick. It's going to be Dick the whole time. Get your <laughs> laughter and joy about it out now. Okay. Uh, continue to. Uh, no judgments. I'm just saying. I'm going to say the word Dick and the name Dick a ton of times. Well, we love, we love Dick, so. We all love Dick. <laughs> Who doesn't? Okay, we're done. We're not going to be like that anymore. Let's celebrate Dick like we never have before. Okay. He doesn't get it enough. <laughs> this is going to be a dirty show. I can feel it. Yes. Okay. Dick and Mary Heaton, well, this is just Dick, but uh, Dick and Mary Heaton are a young married couple um, who knew each other since childhood. They eloped together when Mary was 15 and Dick was 25. She... 
Sorry, this was in uh, 1916. <laughs> so in today's age... <laughs> Mary was 42. Ew! Oh, she was an old maid by Disgusting. 15. Wait, Stay home. She what? was 15 and he was what? 25. That's too, too many. That's 10, that's 10 many. That's 10, 10, 10 too many. It's 10 more for sure, but... <laughs> she's from a prominent, wealthy Louisville family, so... Yeah, he's justified. He's like, get out um, money. He's like, get in my car. Um, he's a well-known, well-liked uh, figure in Louisville, and he is a partner at a successful merchandise brokerage firm called Heaton and Fisher. He is eventually, I don't know, when they f- were first married, I'm not sure. Um, so here's Dick Heaton. This is the thing we always like to do, I like to do, is if I'm casting the made-for-TV movie yes. about this murder. <gasps> I know. Who, okay. Tony Hale. <laughs> no, but that's oh, such a good guess. Shit. I was going with Anthony Edwards. Oh, yeah. 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 If only his mouth was closed in this picture. Yeah. Definitely. You remember him from ER? Revenge of the Nerds. Okay. What? There seem, there, it feels like there's another show in a different part of this theater. <laughs> it's like it's waves. The drunk people. <laughs> drunk party. Okay, so, um, Dick. Great. <clears throat> uh, so about two years into the marriage, trouble starts in 1918. Sounds about right. Uh, right. Um, <laughs> Dick begins accusing Mary of having an affair with their mutual childhood friend, and his name is William Gates. I don't think you can have a mutual child friend when you're 10 years fucking older. Yeah. When you're 10 years old when when your wife was born. Oh, you're you're gonna be able to poke holes all over this story. All right, Bill Gates. Bill Gates. Oh, I didn't even catch that. Right, obviously, if we're casting the made for TV movie, Bill Gates. Boom. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Boom. Amazing. Oh, God. And finally. Yeah, I knew it. Yes. I just want to watch him on the screen. (laughs) He's magnetic and he's an amazing performer. (laughs) Okay. Mary adamantly denies this accusation. Um, Dick will not let it go, of course. He becomes irate. He is very controlling. Um, Even though he has no reason or any evidence to believe that Mary's having this affair with this person they both knew growing up Uh um, who doesn't live in their town anymore, um, she cannot convince him that it's not happening. And she would later describe his behavior, Dick's behavior at this time, as being unbearable. Um, so by 1923, um, the William A. Fisher, who is Dick's partner at the uh, brokerage firm that he works at, Heaton and Fisher, he can no longer ignore Dick's strange behavior at work. Mm-mm. He often leaves the office. <laughs> <laughs> dick, 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 dick. <laughs> He often leaves the office without warning. He won't tell anyone where he's going or what he's doing. And when he's at work, he doesn't focus on work. He's very distracted. Me too. Right? (laughs) Works hard. (laughs) Um, And this goes on for like a year. And then in February of 1924, Dick's paranoia reaches new heights. He hires a female detective from Chicago named... Sure. Named Detective... (laughs) 
Detective Jenny Moore, and she is hired to hap- uh, chaperone, to chaperone, <laughs> to chaperone Mrs. Heaton, Mary Heaton, yeah. everywhere she goes. Oh, is she at least cool? I mean, I hope so. Yeah. She's a female detective in 1924. I bet she's kind of cool. Yeah, I bet she's like, and her name's Jenny. I mean, there's no one named Jenny at that, No, she's a trailblazer in name and in career. She wore a wonderful trench coat. Yeah. She never stopped smoking. (laughs) Night, day, asleep, awake. (laughs) When do you want to go to the store? Let's go to the store. (laughs) Stuff like that. I won't tell him. I won't tell Dick. Uh I'll tell you when we go to the store. Okay, so, uh, so then he tells, the, so the det- detective Jenny Moore has to go everywhere with Mary. Then he tells her that she has to start answering the phone um, and screen all the calls so that Mary can't answer the phone her- by herself. Okay. Or first. Dad. Yeah, right? <laughs> Get off the phone. Um... Then Dick decides that Mary can no longer use the phone without permission or supervision. Meanwhile, the Heatons have two um, elementary school-aged children. So this cannot be convenient. (laughs) Or it's insanely convenient. Like suddenly (laughs) Detective Jenny Moore is freeing up Mary's time and she can really do those manicures and fucking finger wave her hair and shit. Okay. At work, William Fisher finally confronts Dick about his odd behavior and his minimal work hours, so Dick confides in Fisher that he believes, quote, several men are trying to break up my home. Mm. Several. That um, sucks. Because usually when you experience uh, domestic strife in any way, it's because a cabal of shadow operatives <laughs> are conspiring against you in your marriage, and it's not because you married a high school freshman. That's not, it's not that at all. Couldn't it's the be. government. It's the shadow government. It must be. Read my website in 1924. <laughs> okay. So, Dick then confides in Fisher that, quote, there's only one man left, and as soon as I have attended to him, all my troubles will be over, and I will return to the office. Um, but that's not how mental illness works, it turns out. <laughs> Please watch A Beautiful Mind. Um, He explains that he has rented a house at 637 South 41st Street. You guys know that awesome spot. And um, he plans to take this man to the house and scare him so badly that he, quote, learns to never cross my path again. Great. Right? So, of course, Bill Fisher, who's this guy's business partner, he's like, yeah, don't do that. (laughs) don't rent a house and then trap a guy there. <laughs> um, he's saying, you're just going to get in trouble. This is crazy. And, but of course, Dick brushes him aside. He says, you don't tell anybody about my plan or there will be severe consequences. Shit. So now he's threatening his business partner. And he's like, okay, great. See you in the boardroom <laughs> later on. Oh, here's that house. This is the house Ooh, Dick rented. Spooky. <clears throat> so. Okay. So he had a lot of money, huh? Yeah, I guess he had some money to throw around and yeah. buy know, houses or buy houses and capture people that were after his marriage. Right. Okay. <clears throat> so let's talk about Bill Gates. Microsoft is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to bring up a picture of Clippy, you know, who yes! <laughs> and say that's who he really looks like, but then I became very sick of myself <laughs> and I couldn't do it. Um, 
Bill Gates is um, 31 years old. He's Dick's old friend who also grew up in Louisville, where he was and still is very popular, and uh, people, a lot of people know him and like him. Um, but he got a job at Procter & Gamble, so he, years before, had moved to Logan Sport, Indiana, uh, where he lived with his aunt. And that's where he was and what he was doing when Dick became obsessed with the idea that he... He, uh, yeah. Bill, and Mary were fucking. So, <laughs> Bill Gates has no clue that his old friend is wants to kill him and is obsessed with his, his dick. Um, <laughs> Bill Gates thinks that their friendship is as strong as ever and, and just is awaiting cards and letters from him. So... <laughs> Okay, so on the night of Thursday, March 6th, 1924, Dick calls up Bill and asks him to come to his office. Bill Gates is like, my old friend, I'd love to come and see you. Sounds great. great. So he comes, um, he comes into Louisville, he goes to his uncle's house, puts his stuff there, and he's like, I'm going to go see my friend. I'll see you soon. Mm-hmm. I'll be right back. Hold on, I lost my place. <laughs> and now all the words look the same. <laughs> Something about losing your place, like, I, it freaks me out. Yeah, no, it's and I'm terrifying. like, I'll never find it again. And they're staring at me. <laughs> I can't read. I've never been able to read. <laughs> Bill agrees. But as he enters the office, he's immediately grabbed and handcuffed. Um, Bill, turns out, has a pistol on him. Because oh, it's, the, the, it's the 20s. Yeah, yeah. And so that's what you're doing, And, uh... <laughs> And, uh, but the pistol, he's patted down, the pistol's taken off of him, he's put into a car, he's driven to an unknown location, it's fucking Dick's rental house. Um, spoiler alert. So, (laughs) Bill's taken to an upstairs bedroom, and there he sees there's a mattress on the floor, which is very disturbing for people in the 20s, because no one, there were no college students that did that back then. (laughs) Everybody had... A full-on bed frame. Yeah. Mattress on the floor meant super emergency. Okay. Okay. If you don't have rusty old springs, <laughs> then... Yeah. Those were required. Yeah. They were only like $1 back then. Okay. <laughs> Mattress on the floor. But worse than that, he sees an assortment of surgical tools in the room. Oh a surgeon's knife, a pair of... Several pairs of forceps, a hemostat, about a dozen suture ligatures, two or three instrument trays, no. a surgeon's apron, rubber sheets and rubber gloves, no, no, no. bandages, medicated gauze. Uh, this says. Why would a, you bandage? No. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. For after? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at least he's like, I'll take care of you after. Sure. Though. I won't let you. Yeah. You won't bleed out right away. Right. I think is the message. Um, also. <laughs> You can tell I cut and pasted this list because then it says, absorbent cotton. (laughs) The touch, the feel of absorbent (laughs) cotton in your kidnap house. (laughs) As opposed to what fucking kind of cotton? Come on! Watch the redundancies, people I'm stealing from. Okay. Disinfectant and a large can of chloroform. Right? Everything you need to perform a fucking operation. He walks in and he's like, is this a haunted house? This is fake. You know, like one of those fake haunted houses? (laughs) Yes, exactly. Like, come on. Wait, that's a bowl of grapes. No, it's real eyeballs. (laughs) Um, So, of course, 
It's Dick Heaton. It's his doing. This is his whole setup. He forces Bill down onto the mattress and ties him down. And Bill then watches as Dick stuffs some cotton into a funnel and then pours chloroform onto the very absorbent cotton. And, <laughs> and then Dick starts to unbutton Bill Gates' shirt. Oh. Cinemax style. No, no surgically. <laughs> And that's when it dawns on Bill. That's when it dawns on That's when it dawns. <laughs> Finally it hits this dipshit. No. Dick is going to perform some kind of surgery on Bill. Oh, shit. Yes. He's like, I'm good with all these organs. I don't yeah. need you to fucking... Buddy, remember when we used to hang out and I loved my liver and spleen? <laughs> Same, buddy. I haven't changed. Um, so at, while all this is happening... Bill Gates feels something slide down his leg <gasps> and realizes he brought a second gun with him. Yes. <laughs> yes. I think that part of the story is the reason I picked this story. <laughs> Simply. He's like, thank God, back up I, I forgot. Imagine being so blasé about carrying guns. You're like, oh yeah, that other one's there oh, the too. the other one. Yeah. Good. Great. Very good. Now it's slithering down my leg for some Slithering reason. down? Like, where were you keeping it? Yeah. Was that your pelvic gun or... <laughs> Tape it to your hip? Butt, butt back? Butt gun. High butt back? Mm. We don't know what it was like back then and we never will. <laughs> <laughs> so we have to lie about it. Um, okay. So now he's, he makes a mental note, but he doesn't make a move for the gun because Bill Gates, as we all know, is pretty smart. So, <laughs> Dick holds the chloroform-filled funnel over Bill's mouth. Bill holds his breath, fakes like he's passing yeah. out. And as he does, he begins to fake mumble about how he wrote his aunt a letter saying that if he ever were to disappear, Dick Heaton would be the one to blame. Shit. That's a lot to get out. Yeah. With a fucking... Hey, uh, uh, as I go, uh, what's one last thing? My aunt knows it was you. She's got a letter from me. I wrote it on <laughs> February 23rd, 1924. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a good plan, as cheesy as it sounds. Things back then weren't as cheesy as they are now. Because it stops Dick in his tracks. It's any combination of dick and a verb is funny. I don't, I'm, don't blame you at all. It's fun. So he buttons Bill's shirt back up. Oh, shit. Cheapishly, I imagine, yeah. and goes downstairs. So the next day is Friday, March 7th, 1924, and a man named, it, I mean, I would pronounce that Heidi. Where? Right there. Heidi. I bet one of those stupidies are silent. Think so? Hide. Hide? Let's go hide. Okay. It's, Let's go hide. Let's go hide. <laughs> <laughs> Not now. Um, I want to call him Heidi Conrad. Okay. Because there, what was the, the, there was the mayor in your story last night's name was Priscilla? Beverly. Beverly. <laughs> Priscilla. <laughs> no, that was, uh, what's his name's daughter's cat? <laughs> 
the stage, we met uh, the daughter. Of Glenn Campbell's. We met Glenn Campbell's daughter yeah. last night, and she's lovely. Who is an amazing musician on her own accord, separate from her family. I follow her on Instagram now. But her name, her cat's name is Priscilla. Is that right? Yeah, mm. I remember every cat's name. <laughs> <laughs> Not people, though. <laughs> or or which one of us went first or last? <laughs> I was positive I went first. All right. Um, I think. Yeah. Go I ahead. Did. That I did. No, I okay, swear okay. you went second. I think. Um, it doesn't matter. Yes, you did. It doesn't matter. It does. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the, the next day is Friday, March 24th, and Heidi Conrad shows up at William Fisher's office, and he has a note from Dick Heaton, and in it, Dick, Dick is asking Bill Fisher to come to the rental house. Um, so Fisher comes hoping to talk some sense into Dick, um, but when he gets there, he sees that he answers the door and he looks terrible. He's, he's haggard and he looks like he hasn't slept. He's all pale. Cause he you doesn't know. have a mattress. His friend's <laughs> tied to it. How are you going to take a nap? He's just standing around waiting <laughs> for a proper bed yeah. from the twenties. Um, so, uh, Dick tells Fisher to stay there and watch the prisoner so he can go home and get some sleep. Oh my God. And Fisher's like, no way, fuck you. You're insane. No. And, <laughs> yeah. Right? And then Dick begs him to please just stay for half an hour so he can at least go home and check on Mary like a lunatic. <laughs> and then to that, Fisher's like, all right, fine. You can go stalk your wife. If I you guess want I to. have. I guess I have 30 minutes. Yeah, that's fine. Then I have to be back to the office. I'm running without you. <laughs> um, so, uh, so basically he brings Bill Fisher up to the room where uh, he's keeping Gates. And uh, Fisher sees that the man strapped to the mattress floor, his face is covered with a drape, so he doesn't see, he doesn't see who it is. And Dick assures Fisher that the man is sufficiently tied down, won't escape, and then he leaves. And uh, so Fisher's just kind of sitting there quiet for a while, and then he kind of looks around and realizes that he recognizes the hat and coat. Hmm. And um, so when Dick gets back, Fisher's like, you have Bill Gates upstairs? <laughs> And Dick replies, it might be, and then starts laughing maniacally. Oh, my. At what point did he not think to himself, I'm going to the cops right now? This, I think he had, I think his idea was, this is his business partner, and they have this brokerage firm that's doing well. Yeah. So he doesn't want to, like, turn, it's going to be scandal no matter what. Um, so save yourself, I guess. I, I mean, he's trying to keep like he's he's like okay, so you've kidnapped someone. Can we still de-escalate this back into we just make money and don't have problems? And I think that's just his attitude the entire time. Great. So Fisher begs Dick to let Gates go. Of course, Dick says no because um, he's he's saying he's just trying to scare him and basically scare him so he never bothers us again. Um, and he asks Fisher if he'll come back later that night. So back at the office, Fisher thinks about calling the police, but Dick assured him that no harm would actually come to Gates, that it was just going to be this really scary threat. And so, so Fisher stays silent. So 
Um, when he goes back to the house later that night, he again tries to convince Dick to let Bill Gates go. But Dick keeps laughing and refusing and being a creep. Um, so Fisher gives up after arguing him with him for about an hour and leaves and doesn't call the police. Okay, so later that, it's Friday night, Dick unties Bill Gates and takes him to his office and forces Bill at gunpoint to call his aunt who he lives with, and tell her to send those letters that he had um, mentioned the day before to Dick's office, but since the letters weren't real, Uh Bill's aunt had no fucking clue what was going on (laughs) in this phone call. Oh, no. Yep, and she was just totally baffled. Bill sticks to the story and just does what he's told, and then Dick brings him back to the rental house, ties him up again. Okay, so it's the next day. It's Saturday, March... um, Now it's Saturday, March 8th. Okay, and Keaton has been holding gates for two days. Um, Anytime Dick walks into the room, Bill pretends to be asleep. (laughs) He's just, how am I gonna... And then, as he's pretending to be asleep, he's watching um, Dick come in and he'll pick up, like, the scalpel and stare at it and smile. Ew! And then pick up, like, the forceps and smile oh, at them. Give him a little kiss. <laughs> That's creepy. Kiss a scalpel, and then your lips are bleeding, and you're smiling. Oh, no. Oh, this is... I forgot to tell you. This story is what the movie Saw is based on. Did you know that? <laughs> See, it's not. Okay. So, it goes on all day long. Um, so finally, um, Bill is going insane. He's like, this is the fucking creepiest thing of all time. And he knows something bad is coming. Obviously this guy is not, not well. Um, so he tells Dick that this is a classic move. I recommend it to anybody. If you're ever in a pinch, tell the person you have to go to the bathroom. Yeah. Um, Dick unties him from the mattress, handcuffs him, leads him down to the bathroom, lets him go. When he comes out, Dick walks him back to the mattress and uncuffs him so he can tie him back down the way he has him. And that's when Bill reaches into his vest, pulls out the second secret gun, (laughs) points it at Dick, tells him to put his hands up, but Dick reaches for his own gun because Uh everyone's got a gun. (laughs) And when he does, uh, Bill fires, shoots... um, Dick once in the neck and uh, this uh, another time in the chest just above the heart and kills him dead. Yeah. Wow. So Bill Gates, having just murdered Dick, j- runs down the stairs. He's running for the front door. I gave you that one for free. <laughs> runs down the stairs. He's running for the front door. But on his way out, he hears a sound um, going, who's there? And uh, a ghost? and he says, <laughs> and this is when it turns into the scariest ghost story of all time. Um, no, it's Mary Heaton, Uh-oh. and um, so she uh, she says she says it's Mary Heaton. What what he? Someone says who's there? I think I guess it's Bill Gates says who's there. She says it's Mary Heaton. He runs past her out the door. He keeps running. He runs all the way back to his uncle's house where he was staying, Holy where he had shit. disappeared from two days ago, gets all the way back there. Um, so the Louisville police bring Mary Heaton in for questioning. Um, and she tells them, she goes upstairs and sees her husband lying dead on the ground. Um, so she goes with the police, obviously. Um, so she tells the police all about her husband's false accusations, about the affair um, with Bill, and about Detective Jenny Moore. Um, and basically, uh, 
that she's been a prisoner in her own home for like uh, four years. Um, Mary says that Dick had told her about the plan to scare Bill Gates, but because of the phone privilege issue um, and the detective babysitter issue, she was unable to tell anybody about it or warn anybody. Um, And so police then questioned Detective Jenny Moore, who confirms all of Mary's story. Um, so it's actually kind of lucky that she's in the mix because it's yeah. so insane that everyone's like, sorry, what? Like, what is this? <laughs> yeah. um, so Mary says uh, that Dick had come home briefly on Friday to tell her that he had captured Bill Gates. Oh, um, my God. And she says that he was laughing maniacally when he told her. Oh, so much maniacal laughing in this story. Yeah. <laughs> I hope Anthony Anderson is really good. I mean, Anthony Edwards. <laughs> Anthony Anderson is the star of Blackish, and that would be a different story altogether. <laughs> so he laughs, tells her he has Bill Gates. Mary's scared shitless. She doesn't know what to do. So on Saturday, after still not having heard from her husband all day long, she goes to the rental house. She sneaks away from Detective Jenny Moore yes. for one second to go to the rental house to see what's going on. And basically, when she walked in, is right after Bill Gates shot her husband to, to death. Yeah. So, um, William Fisher arrives at the police station, wanting, finally wanting to share the news that he has about what Dick's been doing at the rental house. Oh, are you ready to talk? Yeah. You ready to share? Guess what, Bill? You're a day late and a dollar short, so <laughs> get the fuck out. Um, but he basically attests uh, to how Dick's behavior had been growing more and more erratic at work. <laughs> you brought Dan, didn't you? Dan... Oh, Dan. Dan loves it. Leave him alone. <laughs> I want to think that you were laughing at something I was doing, but that seemed like a private joke uh-huh. between the two of them. Or a grab or something. Oh. I don't know. Mm. Mm. It is a dirty show tonight. <laughs> Get yours, Dan. Okay. I'm almost done. And then you guys can be together. Um <laughs> Okay, so essentially he's, that Bill Fisher's there saying, this guy's been a fucking nut at work for a long time, goes, to, goes Wait, through all the issues. Dick's been a nut. Uh, <laughs> Dick's been a fucking nut. I'm sorry, I'm 12. <laughs> I still play with Barbies. Um, uh, he, t- he tells police he begged him not to go through with it, apologizes for not coming to the station earlier. Oops, and Sorry. Now, Right? Because now he's consumed with guilt because if he had gone in earlier, maybe Dick Heaton would not be dead. Mm. Um, And he wouldn't have such a great business partner to work with anymore. (laughs) So uh, then they bring in Heidi Conrad, probably Hyde, but I'm calling him Heidi, um, the guy that brought the note. And he states that he'd known uh, both Bill Fisher and Dick Heaton for a while. He was the organist at the local theater. Oh, that's what he did for a living. But he was friends with these big brokerage dudes. He'd receive a call from Dick on Thursday asking him to come to his office at 6 o'clock that night. And once he was there, he introduced um, Heidi to a man named Frank. And then he gave um, him instructions to go out to the car and wait as he and Frank... um, were uh, wait for them to leave the office and then follow them in his car. So he waits and then sees three men emerge from the office and hop into the car. He follows the car to the rental house. He follows them inside where Frank and Dick take this third man upstairs. Um, I'm just trying to think of what other bad name. It could, Harry and Dick, I guess, could be good. Oh, yeah. Frank, 
isn't working. But <laughs> um, they take the so they take this third man upstairs. Basically, Heidi sees like witnesses everything that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, he then tells. Uh, Heidi to take Frank to the bus depot, buy him a ticket for Indianapolis, then go to the hotel where he'd been staying and settle his, that where Frank had been staying and settle his hotel tab. But when Conrad asks what Frank, asks Frank what's, what's going on, Frank says the man upstairs is someone who'd stolen something from Dick and that's, it's okay and he doesn't need to worry. Mm. So um, Heidi, Conrad, doesn't feel good about any of this. He follows through on the bus ticket ask, but then he doesn't go to the hotel. Instead, he spends the night at the rental house leaves the next morning and tell, tells Dick he will not be coming back. Oh, so he him. participates thoroughly and then is like, <laughs> and that's plenty for me. <laughs> um, so here is the room where Bill Gates was held. Oh, that's the mattress on the floor. Gross. And that's, isn't that creepy? Oh, it's so creepy. Oh, the 20s were creepy. <laughs> then, in the middle of all this, Bill Gates arrives at the police station to turn himself in. Okay. Um, so he gives his account of what happened. He t- tells about the whole kidnapping, being held hostage in the rental house, finally killing his own captor. Um, it checks out with everyone else's stories, but they still have to charge Bill with murder, with the murder of Dick Heaton. Um, so the case goes to trial. <laughs> this is my favorite headline of all time. Former local man. <laughs> what? What's this kind of man now? <laughs> so we don't care. Yeah. He's from Louisville, but he left, so he's a former local man. He ain't not <laughs> one of ours. Monday, May 12, 1924, the judge rules Bill Gates acted in self-defense. He's found not guilty, and he walks away a free man. In the meantime, the police have identified this Frank as Indianapolis private detective Frank Cordell, and he and uh, Heidi Conrad are tried as accomplices Mm. in the kidnapping. Conrad's case is dismissed because he clearly did not know what the fuck was going on. Um, But Frank Cordell, however, admits to having been a part of the kidnapping. He just didn't know the severity of Dick's plans. Mm -hmm. So Cordell ends up getting 60 days in jail. In the end, the police theorized that based on the amount of surgical and medical equipment in the house, Dick Heaton was planning to castrate (gasps) Bill Gates for the imagined crime of sleeping with his wife. And if Bill hadn't brought his second secret gun with him and outsmarted him, he would have gone through with his insane plan. And that is the bizarre story of the Louisville torture house. Did you have a question? No. Or a concern? I just wanted to say that Dick would have taken his dick. <laughs> but that's not what that is. And we've had enough dirty enough jokes for the already. night. Stop it. Everyone. Great job. That, Thank you. That was fucked up. Thank you. Yeah, right? <laughs> Georgia, have you ever been blown away by the most simple dish at a restaurant? Like perfectly scrambled eggs? Oh my God. Yes, Karen. And then all I want to do is make that dish at home and eat it every day. Well, you probably could as long as you have the chef's secret ingredient, Made In Cookware. Made In was created to bring restaurant quality performance kitchenware to home chefs around the world. For years, they've built their business by supplying restaurants and top chefs with high-end cookware. Some of Tom Colicchio's most treasured dishes at his restaurant craft are made in Made In. Whether you're cooking for professional critics or just the critics you live with, your meals will benefit from the quality of Made In products. Like their carbon steel cookware, it combines the best of both cast iron and stainless steel clad, so it's 
that's rugged enough for grills or an open flame. It's the MVP of summer cookouts and cook-ins. What I really love about made-in cookware is that it actually makes something like having a Memorial Day barbecue much more convenient because you can keep everything on the grill if you need to throw, say, a pan of garlic up on the top while you're grilling your steaks on the bottom. It's strong enough, durable enough to do that. If you want to take your cooking to the next level, remember what so many great dishes have in common. They're all made in, made in. Save up to 25% this Memorial Day from May 18th through May 27th when you visit MadeInCookware.com. That's M-A-D-E-I-N Cookware.com. Goodbye. So I go second. What are you doing? (laughs) What are you going to do tonight? So we're back. We're back in Verona. (laughs) Picture it. It's beautiful. I was about to show you this photo. Marlene Oaks with her children. Adorable, lovely. And this story, you feel like it's a regular, the husband did it story. And then there are twists and turns and fucking he did it. But there's crazy shit happening. (laughs) (laughs) But it's crazy. Okay. Spoiler alert. Okay, they've been married nine years, eight and four-year-old kids, and then this dude, so they pick up a hitchhiker named Glenn St. Hilaire. He works for Bill and lives on their property in a, in a trailer. Um, and Bill, the husband's like, hey, Glenn, you should fuck my wife. Yeah. Yeah. And Glenn's like, okay. So I, <laughs> it's probably, I think it was way more romantic than that. Was it? Sounds um, as about as romantic as it can be. <laughs> Basically, um, Bill, uh, so Marlene and Glenn fall for each other. They're hooking up, but Bill has a chick on the side, like all this crazy stuff. And um, yes, so here we are. On the day of October 11th, 1980, mm. Marlene and Bill have an argument. And according to Bill, Marlene's gifts town. A couple days later, Bill reports her missing. And he tells police that he and Marlene had gotten in an argument and she just got in her car and drove away, leaving all her social security and licensing things. Yes. And purse behind, like women love to do. I have to get away, mostly from my purse. (laughs) It's dragging me down. Yeah. I need to sign out of my purse for now. Just be free. That's right. Identification. He claims he spent the whole night driving around looking for her, and they also question Glenn, and they both deny any involvement in Marlene's disappearance. And um, Marlene's kids were in bed the night she disappears and didn't hear anything out of the ordinary. Um, And Bill tells his two children that their mother is a drug addict, and an alcoholic, and a sex worker. He doesn't use that word. Right. And uh, that, he, that she didn't care about them and left town. Just, your mom doesn't love you. She left. I'm your, I'm the daddy in this situation. <laughs> he says, uh, so the next, it, within a week, okay, wait. Police find no evidence of a struggle in Marlene's home or in Glenn's trailer. And um, her de- they really try to find her. Her dental records are faxed all over the U.S. in case uh, there's, you know, an, an unidentified body. But there, there's no new leads and the case goes cold. A week after Marlene disappeared, Bill Major took his two kids and moved from Kentucky to uh, Pawtucket, Rhode Island, where his parents live. Nuh-uh. <laughs> Um, that's Marlene Oaks and Bill Major, and 
Yes, Siamese cats usually don't like assholes, but <laughs> that cat doesn't look happy. He doesn't. He's definitely stretching away. Yeah. Look how cute she is. Um, okay. So, um, Bill remarries pretty quickly after, one, one year later, and the kids are raised with this asshole. So, his, the, the daughter, Lalana, and her brother, Donald, grow up believing that their mom ditched them, and their father is, of course, extremely abusive. Uh, Lalana remembers her father beating up her brother so bad once that Donald couldn't pick himself up off the floor. And in the Forensic Files episode, they show a like, photograph of like the kids from that time, and he's like smiling, but he's a fucking black eye. He's like a little eight-year-old. It's the saddest thing you've ever seen. Um, they both have to miss school to hide the bruises all the time. And um, it turns out he's also sexually molesting both of them and raping them. He's yeah. a fucking monster. Yeah, so he's a monster. Eventually, Lalana gets the courage to tell their new stepmother what's going on, even though the dad, this fucking asshole Bill, had, had threatened that, I'll kill your brother if you tell, I'll kill your sister if you, you know. And they, of course, believe it. The, the stepmother eventually gets around to calling the cops. But this first time around, she confronts him and he says uh, that he'll never do it again and he has a problem and all this crazy shit. But um, eventually, uh, Bill, as, or when Donald's 13, he tells his stepmother again, the cops are called and Bill is immediately arrested for first degree sexual assault. Good. Yes. Yeah. He's convicted in 1985 and sentenced to 15 years in prison. And uh, now 9 and 13, Lalana and Donald move back to Kentucky to live with their maternal grandmother. And one day, uh, Lalana, and this chick is such a fucking badass. She's interviewed throughout the whole of both of these episodes, Forensic Files and Cold Case Files. I mean, the courage this woman has is insane. Um, when she's a kid and she's living with her grandma, she asks, you know, why did my mom leave? Have you heard anything from her? And her grandma is quiet and then says, your mom's dead, your father killed her. Like, fine, like tells her. It's awful. Um, and also, the stepmother who, who told, finally, and who fucking skedaddled after that, thankfully, she also gave the mom back her wedding ring, which turned out to be Marjorie's ring. So gave, the, gave it to the grandma? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Bill is released from fucking prison after nine, serving nine years. Mm. Eleven years. I mean, um, <laughs> it's a little better, but not much. Well, no, it doesn't make a still, yeah. So in 1996, um, in Kentucky, here in um, in Verona, they're trying so hard to pin this on him. They know he did it. They just don't have a body. They don't have enough evidence that he did it. Um, so when they see he's getting out of jail, they try to extradite him and bring him back. And they now know about the sexual abuse that was going on when he lived in Kentucky. So they're going to try to uh, get him on those charges. They find other kids who also had been molested by him. But the fucking motherfucking statute of stupid limitations runs out on fucking child molesting yeah. yep I know and uh, he's instead he's let go and he goes to live in Fairhaven uh, Massachusetts with his third wife how how do they do it every time he's had he has five the he total must, it's, he must be so good at small talk I mean like <laughs> he's good at small prison talk because they had been corresponding in when she was when he oh. was in yeah. The romance of the incarcerated man. I see. <laughs> you know. He's dangerous. He's a bad boy. No, he's a literal monster. 
Well, she thinks he uh, had was in prison for robbery. Mm. But eventually, Bill's fucking dad calls her and is like, yo, your husband's a fucking pedophile, and she stays with him. Oh. I know. I don't know. That's but, the thing about being a rebel. Oh, this is Lalana. She's such a fucking oh, badass. Nice. Um, so, no? Okay. They're confused. Okay. <laughs> he, he moves away, uh, but Lalana is determined to put him back in jail, so she decides to investigate the fucking disappearance on her own. Nice. And she, yes, and she starts watching old murder investigation shows. Yes. I'm sure, like the ones she's eventually on. Yes. And she's like, I'm going to learn everything I can about Luminol, and also... <laughs> About investigating a crime, and I'm gonna fucking take care of it myself. It's amazing. Um, she, when she's only 20, she's given access to her mother's cold case files, and in it, um, she finds that on the day of her mom's disappearance, Marlene had told her sister that she had proof against Bill, and if anything happened to her, the information would go to police, and that she also tells her that she's planning on leaving Bill. And it turns out that Marlene had kept a diary that she had given to Glenn. Old in the back, dude. Yeah. She was hooking up with her lover. Her lover. Thank you. Because um, she was worried Bill was going to do something to her. And when Marlene had disappeared, he, he, Glenn knew she wouldn't have abandoned her kids, so he had given them the diaries to the police as evidence. Um, and in the diary, Lana finds entries that imply that her mom had found out about him molesting Donald, that she had walked in and seen him with her son and was like, you motherfucker. And um, it says... Uh, it says he tried to hide what they were doing, but I know what I saw. I guess I died inside. I told him not to touch me ever again, and if he ever touched Donald, I'd kill him. He wants me to help him, and I don't know what to do. So, oh, like help him get better? Yeah, like I'm sick. You yeah, know, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that bullshit. Mm. Um, and Lalana also finds evidence that her mother was considering divorce as well, and threatening that she was going to tell Bill's mother that he was a fucking pedophile and yeah. molesting his kids. So obviously he has reason to get rid of her. Um, to find out more, Lilana interviews everyone she can who knew her mother. Um, she logs all the conversation and everyone tells her the same thing. We know your fucking dad did it. And uh, let's see. And then Lilana discovers that uh, one year after her mother's disappearance... A hunter had found a human skull in a rural strip of land just a mile from her home. I know. And the, um, the bones had been too badly degraded for DNA at the time. It was fucking 1980. And, um, but there were no teeth and no jaw, so it couldn't be identified. And uh, it was a Caucasian female, approximately 30 years old. But Lalana is convinced it's her mother's skull, of course. It's almost 20 years later, and uh, Lalana starts fucking, she starts digging herself in that area, trying to find the rest of the body. It's insane, this poor woman. Um, and she starts, like, learns that there's new forensic testing that might be able to help her. It's 2001 now. And so um, everyone, it's gonna cost 20 grand to get the DNA tested. And everyone is like, the whole family is ready to contribute. This One of the, her sisters, is going to cash in her fucking, what is it called? Retirement fund. Oh, wow. Um, and uh, let's see. But finally, the town's like, no, we'll cover it. We got it. <laughs> Thank the city you. city of Verona? Yeah. Way to go. Yeah. Uh, da, 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 da. 
Okay, so it's, it's, what, it's from 2004, the forensic files. So they explain to you what the new thing called mitochondrial DNA is. <gasps> oh. What? That <laughs> and, sounds like bugs. <laughs> it's just, it's really cute and quaint. You know, we're like, we know, this is your new luminol. Okay. <laughs> And so it's tested and against Lilana's saliva, and it matches that this is, you know, someone related to her. It's her mother. So with new scientific evidence and the diary, prosecutors are finally able to build a case against Bill. And also, I don't, let's see here. There we go. Bill's dad, James, is like, fuck this guy. I hate my son, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> Truly. Yeah, he's 80, he's an 81 year old retired truck driver and he's interviewed in the cold case files and oh, what a beautiful interview it is. <laughs> Truly a salt of the earth. Mm-hmm. Um, he comes forward and he's like, my son called me when he was in prison for that second time and uh, told me he fucking did it and told me how he did it. He said, he, quote, he told me he pumped six bullets into her and threw her in the back of the car and then drove to Florence and um, walked her up into the woods. Um, this motherfucker okay so so prosecutors believe that Marlene discovered that her husband was sexually abusing her kids and was going to use that information to divorce him and take the kids so um, let's see they, there's a rule that just if you you can confess to someone but unless there's a backup it doesn't count you know it's hearsay I think right. is the word we use now <laughs> and that I didn't write down <laughs> So, um, it's like, listen, I have to tell you a secret. Oh, also, this is my backup, Connie. Okay, anyway. (laughs) (laughs) So, but, but Bill's dad, James, is like, let's wire my phone and I'll call him again. And so he does it. They fucking wire him uh, his phone up and he's like, did you do it? And he's like, basically. And they're like, well, you're arrested. (laughs) Yeah. Bill, now 59, is arrested and charged with Marlene's murder. And uh, during extradition to Kentucky, he confesses to the local sheriff. He, I'm sure the sheriff was like, yes. Yeah. The fucker. It's mine. Yeah. He tells him he shot her twice in the head and four times in the chest, which is he emptied the gun. Like, it's insane. Um, and he also admits that he threw the murder weapon in a nearby pond, buried the body in a sinkhole, and pushed her car into the Ohio River. But they weren't able to um, ever find these things. It was, you know, um, he says that killing Marlene meant nothing to him. It was like getting up on a normal morning and tidying his shoes, tying his shoes. <laughs> tying. Either way, I hate this fucking yes. guy. Yes, doesn't really matter what he does with his shoes. <laughs> I also hate that they get quotes like that. It's like, who the fuck is asking that yeah. question? Clearly, it meant nothing to him. Yeah. He's a piece of shit. Let's not poll him for his opinions <laughs> about a shitty crime. Yeah. Enough. A hundred percent. That's just, it's like, yeah. In 2003, the, the case goes to trial, and um, Bill's defense lawyers argue that Bill had a stroke in 1995, and then that anything he had said after that couldn't be trusted. <laughs> Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so, <laughs> no. So, meaning like, yeah. So, so fucking uh, Grandpa James is like, well, I'm going to testify then. And he, <laughs> Did he? Yeah. He's like, this guy. He gets up on his Louisville slugger. He's like, out of my way. 
does he have one too? He's like, <laughs> he's, he's warned that his, that if he testifies and gives this stuff, that his son could receive a guilt, if it's a guilty verdict, he could possibly get the death penalty. And he says, quote, he pedophiled his own kids. Any SOB like that deserves to die. I'll pull the expletive switch if, I, if they need me to. <laughs> Shit. Shit. Uh-huh. And <laughs> Lilana and Donald uh, testify against their fucking father in nice. trial. That's right. Beautiful. Um, it takes the jury only 43 minutes to find Bill Major. What did I say? I don't know what they're doing at this point. They're just having their own good time. It takes the jury only 43 minutes to find Bill Major guilty of first-degree murder. Yeah, Yeah. that's right. (laughs) And he's sentenced to life in prison. Cursed image. Cursed image. Uh, Both Marlene's children, they know that their mom died because she was trying to protect them. And with their father now in prison for life, Marlene will finally be at peace. Marlene Oaks is buried in Lancaster, Kentucky, beside her parents, and that is the murder of Marlene Oaks. Wow. Amazing. Wow. We're lucky you guys aren't famous for making pitchforks, because fuck. <laughs> I wish I had gone second now. Um, we, have a, we have a Elvis Pez dispenser from Crackhor Barrel, and I think we have time for a hometown. <laughs> for I've just been spending some quality time with my own Louisville slugger back there. Yes, that's right. Vince got one too. They put his podcast name on it. We watch wrestling. Check it out. Thank you. (laughs) Um, I'm going to have to go all the way out there. Okay. All right. Thank you. That sign? Walk towards Vince if hometown. Now we have rules. Okay. You you should hear them because you've never been here before, sir. Rules and regulations. We so very much would love it if it was a Louisville native hometown. We don't know how to ask this question in a way that gets through to those types of people's heads who are like, I'm from Cincinnati and I'm going to tell my story tonight. (laughs) Don't be that person. We beg you. Um, It could also be nearby, obviously, but it's so much more fun when it's here. Um, And also, obviously, you can't be so drunk, you can't tell your own story. Um, it needs to be quick because we're always on a clock and it needs to have a beginning, a middle, and an end. If you don't know the end, if you don't know the details, if you don't know how it ended, <laughs> you, you learn it and come back another time <laughs> is my advice to you. Okay, now George okay. is going to pick a hometown. You in the, yeah, in the glasses, yeah, next to your... All right. Okay, go the to Vince over there. Chosen. Go to Vince over there. I'm sorry, everyone else. Good luck, else. players. Good Please, luck, players. I can see all your faces, and it breaks my heart. Yeah, can we and bring the lights down? So, because people are glaring at us now. <laughs> <laughs> They're pissed. They are mad. Uh, here we go. Hi. Hi. It's Jennifer, everybody. So you go in the center. You look so eager. Don't let me down, Jennifer. Oh, oh. Well, I know. I'm gonna let you pressure. down to start. Okay. Because I am from Cincinnati. That's okay. However. Oh wait. Sorry. Are you being serious? I swear. 
And where does this murder take place? Well, it, it take, he's from Louisville, and okay. he's my great-great-uncle. Okay, great. And he's a killer. Okay, great. All right. Okay. Okay, we're here for this. That's all, that's and all we need. That's so all I'm need. here with my three kids, and they were like, Do you, can you practice cussing? And <laughs> I'm a second-grade teacher, so like my no, job is you. to not cuss. No, you be you. You be so, you. Okay, I won't say what they think I'm going to say. All right. So my, I called my mom, and I was like, they call somebody on stage for a hometown murder, and she's from Kentucky, and she was like, well, you know your great-great-uncle was the last man hung in Indiana. <laughs> okay, so I wanted to hear. So his name was George Washington Barrett, and he was born in 1899, and he was a great guy, so he um, ran moonshine and stole things his whole life. Sure. And um, one time he got really upset because his, um, his mother whipped his 11-year-old son so he shot her. His own mother? Uh-huh. Dead? Yeah, dead. Dead. And then his sister mouthed off because he shot her mom, and he pistol whipped her. Oh. And so he then went on the lam for eight years, and wow. they caught him finally. But it was a hung jury because he said it was self-defense because I guess he was defending his son, you know, because he got spanked. Okay. Okay. So fast forward, this is like 1934 by this point, and they just passed this federal law that if you shot a federal officer, you had to be hung, period. Okay. So he was, he stole a car and he was running from the federal agents and this, this point he's in the Cincinnati area. He crossed over the Indiana state line and had a shootout with the federal agent and shot the guy killed him. Ohio and Indiana had a big fight over who would get to hang him. <laughs> for real. That's for real. Like, you can Wikipedia. This is the truth. Yeah, we trust, truth. We trust okay. you so far. It's true. Yeah. You're a teacher. We yeah. believe you. Totally. Okay. <laughs> Fuck yeah! yeah. Woo! Yeah! Okay. Try, try that on Monday morning. Yeah, well, really. Well, I did it before I left. I'm like in teacher clothes. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> the so, school year's almost over. Yeah. I know. You're yeah. going to be on. Fuck right. yeah, You're going to make okay. it. You're going to make it. It's 1934. Indiana has not had a hanging since 1912. But the federal law says they have to be hung. Mm -hmm. So they had to get this farmer from Illinois to come and build the gallows. Is that what they're called? Yeah. Yeah. And this is just like a little aside. I'm not just saying this because he's my great great uncle and I'm super proud, but he was like really, really hot. Like we saw pictures, (laughs) right? My kid, right? Like, Like who? Like what did he look like? What did he? Oh my God. What did he look like? Um, like an actor of like some Tom kind? Selleck. A Tom I know, Selleck. That's old. Big uh, mustache? Big dimples. Sure. And, yeah, like real. Like, Hawaiian shirt. Totally. And <laughs> yeah. chest hair. Lots of, of chest, chest hair. hair. Yes. Okay. okay. Hot. He had a glass eye. This is important to the story. Okay. okay. So, anyway, so. <laughs> So they, he got injured in the shooting, and his leg, he was in a wheelchair. Like in the, some of the old pictures, he's got his legs straight out. <laughs> anyway, so, and he had a glass eye. I said that. Yeah, got it. Every time they would come in to be like, you're getting hung, he would pop his glass eye out, <laughs> for real, and say like, if I'm going to eat this, I'm going to eat, like, so he would scare people that way. Ew. But it's gross, right? How is that a threat? I <laughs> Go ahead, you stupid fuck. Right. Is my answer as as the yes. truth. So apparently there were like thousands of women. Am I taking too long? No. There were like thousands of women that were writing in saying they wanted to come and watch it, but whatever. Okay. So they build these things to hang in. The gallows. The gallows, yes. And the sheriff, this is awesome, was only five feet tall because he used to work for Ringling Brothers. So <laughs> Yes. yes, totally. Okay, so he was five.
five feet tall and he couldn't pull the whatever. The, I feel like it's like Price yeah. is Right. We're like, the lever, yeah. <laughs> yes, right. He, is, yes. he couldn't spin the wheel fast right. enough? Yes, okay. Right. Good, so good, they good. Had, yeah, so they had to have somebody help him. <laughs> oh, no. Yes. Okay. Was it a really fat lady or a really tall man? Well, she had a beard, but she <laughs> wasn't that fat. Okay. <laughs> Got nice up on the shoulders and. Right, yeah. yes. Okay, so they, they did it and they hung him. And so he was the first man ever hung by this law but the last man ever hung in Indiana. Wow. wow. Unbelievable. Jennifer, everybody. Oh my God, Jennifer. Jennifer. You killed it. Congratulations. Oh, shit. You don't get it now. She Great job. Me. Good job. She hugged me and like, it was such a second grade teacher. You're so pretty. <laughs> Wow. She brought the circus into it. That, oh, that's going to be the new eye. rule. That's the new rule. If you can't bring the circus into it, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I'm thinking more people who look like they're about to have a seizure in their chair by hand, yep. with their hand up. Yeah, um, that's how we figure it out. That's right. Wow. Louisville. Great job, that everyone. That was amazing. <laughs> so beautiful. Yeah. Really. Uh, what a fun thing to come and spend time with all of our, uh, all of our best friends <laughs> that we don't know that well. Um, it's, it's such an honor. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> are they yelling at me? Huh? Are they yelling at me? Uh-huh. I'm just uh, trying to say I like you. Fuck you. <laughs> we, uh... <laughs> We are really honored that we get to do this for a freaking living. We can't believe it. We, it hasn't caught up with us yet. And so every time we come out here and you guys are here to hang out with us, we are so stoked. We so love it so, so much. much. We have the best time. Yep. We get to do this for a living now. And it is the most fun thing in the world. And it's a, it's a true fucking honor yeah. that we started a podcast so we could talk to each other about this thing that we like so much. And all of a sudden, this community grew up around it of people, beautiful, intelligent, sensitive people with really bad anxiety who really <laughs> like murder. And yeah. now you're all getting to know each other, and this thing is growing in these ways that we could have never predicted, didn't plan, and are enjoying watching it as much as you are. Yeah. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much. That's right. Of course, stay saved and do God's missions, please. <laughs> if you can, but also stay sexy. And... Thank you, Louisville.